All right, we're taking a look at a few examples of God's people being imprisoned, seeing what happened, what God said to them, and how he worked through their lives in those circumstances specifically. So this morning we're going to spend some time in Jeremiah chapter 32. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 15. Uh, We'll have to move quickly, but that's okay. Jeremiah, of course, was a priest and prophet of Israel. He carried a particularly not well-received message from God to his countrymen. Uh, It was about the coming judgment of God in the form of the Babylonian captivity. The people of Israel had failed to obey the Lord's commandments, um, and because of their specific disregard for observing, uh, observing Sabbath years, they would have to spend 70 years away from the land before being returned again by God. Now, during the course of his life and his ministry, Jeremiah was imprisoned a couple of times. Um, There are several notable stories that we get from his time behind bars. The most famous, I think, or the the most popular is when Jeremiah was lowered deep into this miry dungeon and it says that he sank down into the mud and the mire and later had to be lifted out by guys who had fashioned ropes to to save him. But this morning, we take a look at a different jail term. It was one that he spent in the court of the prison. Uh, We're going to discover three different attributes of Jeremiah that are also part and parcel with living the Christian life today, things that we can evaluate in our own hearts and see where we stand in comparison to God's Word. Okay, so let's see what this is all about. Look at the first five verses of chapter 32. It says, The word of the Lord, uh, excuse me, the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the tenth year of Zedekiah, king of Judah, which was the eighteenth year of Nebuchadnezzar. For then the king of Babylon's army besieged Jerusalem, and Jeremiah the prophet was shut up in the court of the prison, which was in the king of Judah's house. For Zedekiah, king of Judah, had shut him up, saying, Why do you prophesy and say, Thus says the Lord? Behold, I will give this city into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he shall take it. And Zedekiah, king of Judah, shall not escape from the hand of the Chaldeans, but shall surely be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon, and shall speak with him face to face, and see him eye to eye. Then he shall lead Zedekiah to Babylon, and there he shall be until I visit him, says the Lord. Though you fight with Chaldeans, you shall not succeed. So Jeremiah was thrown into prison because he was preaching the word of God. And obviously, if this was the message that he was bringing to the king of Judah, the king of Judah wasn't too excited about that. Like all of the prophets, he was sent with various messages to the people of Israel. In a time of great apostasy and coming judgment, his messages were not received well. They weren't popular. They didn't get people real excited. It's a crucial thing that we understand the importance of preaching, not just behind a pulpit, but each one of us as God's people preaching one-on-one, person-to-person. Jeremiah, yes, was uniquely chosen by God for his time and his place, but you and I have that same calling on our lives as well, to have a unique ministry of preaching to the people that God has placed us with. Look at 2 Timothy, well, I'll read 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 2 to you. Paul says, I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. Uh, there's another text that Paul gives us as well that gives us a little slightly different perspective on this situation. He says in Romans 10:14, "How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher?" 
And so preaching is not a vocation that just a few Christians are called to here on the earth. We need to get rid of that idea completely. Preaching is something that all of us must do. All of us are commanded to do by God. We are placed in a specific time and in specific locations so that we can preach the message of salvation through Jesus Christ to those people that God has placed around us. And, you know, it's really easy to shy away from preaching in our lives and from sharing our faith and evangelizing, whatever you want to call it, especially when that message is not being received or when that message isn't a popular thing. As we see in this text and as we read about in the news every single week, <coughs> excuse me, the message of the gospel isn't always something that gains you popularity in this world, uh, quite the contrary usually. But the gospel is the only hope that the lost and dying world has. And we as God's people must not change the message so that it's more palatable or entertaining for the people around us. And this is a, another trap we fall into. A lot of times we'll either kind of tend to just shy away and fly under the radar and I, I don't really share, I don't really preach, I don't really say anything to anybody around me. The other thing that we tend to do sometimes is we kind of, sh you know, sugar the message or we water down the message or we change the message so it's a little bit more palatable for people who don't want to hear about their sin. They don't want to hear about hell and, and a lot of churches certainly fall into this um, uh, mistake as well. That's what the king wanted Jeremiah to do here. He came to Jeremiah and he put him in jail. He's like, what are you doing? Why are you saying that the Babylonians who are outside our walls are going are gonna to conquer the city and they're going to drag me away and they're going to carry us all away and destroy us? Uh, I don't want you to say that to people. I want you to bring us a different message. Uh, we are to preach the word as it's been given to us, even, the world, even though the world isn't excited about it. Now, you look at that passage that Paul said, and he says, hey, you need to preach the word. You need to exhort. You need to convince. But you do it with long-suffering. You do it with grace. And so you see you know, certain groups going out there, and it's, they're, they're preaching the word, but they're not preaching with any grace. They're not preaching with any hope. They're not preaching with any love or long-suffering, and, and that's not effective. It's just a, a clanging cymbal and a loud gong, the Bible says. But then you have other people sometimes who, well, we don't really want to talk about sin. We don't really want to talk about, you know, hell. We don't want to talk about, you know, you crucifying your flesh. We're not going to do that because people don't like hearing about that. And so we'll just talk about these certain parts or we'll change certain parts of the message so that they're more palatable. You know, we are called to, each one of us, preach the word as it's been given to us and, and be uh, filling that uh, filling that job that the Lord has given all his people. Now, God is with us to spread the gospel. He gives us his word and his spirit so that we can communicate to the people he brings into our path effectively. But we need to understand that God is bringing people and situations and circumstances into our lives every day so that we will preach to them. It's not all accidental. We don't just exist here on the earth and every now and then we have an interface with God the Lord says that he's orchestrating creation and orchestrating our lives so that he can bring people into the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We have to fight the urge to shy away from sharing our faith. It's not an easy thing to do for many of us. Not everyone has the gift of evangelism, but all of us are called to preach the word and to share our faith, and we have to fight the urge to shy away from that. We have to take up the call to share God's word because every day God is purposefully giving you and me opportunities to preach just like he did for Noah, and he did for Stephen, and he did for Jeremiah, and he did for all of the others that we read about in the Bible. All these guys that we see, they were preaching the word. The second attribute we see in this text, uh, in this prisoner of Lord, is redeeming, verses 6 through 9. <clears throat> Jeremiah said, 
the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Behold, Hanamel, the son of Shalom, your uncle, will come to you, saying, Buy my field, which is in Anathoth, for the right of redemption is yours to buy it. Then Hanamel, my uncle's son, came to me in the court of the prison, according to the word of the Lord. And he said to me, Please, buy my field, that is in Anathoth, which is in the country of Benjamin. For the right of inheritance is yours, and the redemption is yours. Buy it for yourself. Then I knew that this was the word of the Lord, so I bought the field from Hanamel, the son of my uncle, who was in Anathoth, and weighed out to him the money, 17 shekels of silver." Now, really, this is a very unusual and from the human perspective, an illogical thing that God is asking Jeremiah to do here. Uh, Jeremiah is imprisoned indefinitely uh, by the king of Judah. God has revealed to him specifically that Babylon and the army is going to conquer Jerusalem and that the Jews were going to be carried off for 70 years in captivity. But here then, God comes to Jeremiah and he gives him this chance to redeem this little field in the country of Benjamin. Because of the future plans that the Lord had for his people, he wanted Jeremiah to purchase this field in front of people. It was a symbol that one day they would return to their promised land and that God would be faithful to restore what was lost and that new life and new work would continue there in the future. In the New Testament context, it reminds us of this passage in Ephesians 5, Ephesians 5, 15 and 16. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. As Christians, we are invited by the Bible to take stock of our lives and our activities and use them to redeem the time, is what, is what it says. Meaning that we are to focus on how our lives can impact eternity. We're called to invest in God's future kingdom right here and now through the behaviors and activities and decisions that we make in the temporal world. Of course, to the natural man within us and to the world around us, this isn't a logical thing to do. It's not logical to say, well, I'm going to invest in God's future kingdom uh, because biblical Christianity commands us to crucify self and all that that entails, and we know that. It's so that we can glorify God and build up this future kingdom that no one can see right now. The focus of our lives is not to be building up wealth for ourselves or obsessing over material possessions or gaining power or you know, obsessing over comfort or security. The focus of our lives is to be the future that God has laid out for us in the Bible. And so, like Jeremiah, we should be investing in the plan of God even when it doesn't seem immediately profitable to the human mindset. I mean, really, anybody around Jeremiah at this situation must have just laughed and thought, are you kidding me? Like, the king has said, you are staying in this prison you know, uh, until this or this happens. And, uh, and besides, Jeremiah was the one saying, yeah, we're all going to be conquered. We're all going to be taken to Babylon for 70 years. And, and by the way, I'm going to go and buy this field way out in the country of Benjamin. Uh, it is our choice whether we are going to participate in the privilege of redeeming our time now for the heavenly future or whether we're going to focus our lives on present comfort and security and pleasures. And so the Lord, this is a very strange situation. The Lord comes to Jeremiah and he says, you know, the, you're in prison. You know, you guys are besieged. All this stuff is going to happen. What little money you have, I want you to let go of that and invest it in something that's going to happen in the future. And then you get to the New Testament and essentially on a spiritual level, the same thing happens. You know, the Bible comes to us and it says, you know, you have a chance to redeem the time. Use this time now to invest in the heavenly kingdom. You, you should do that. You should walk that way and you should 
focus yourself on the heavenly future instead of focusing on what makes more sense to the human worldly thought process. So preaching, redeeming, and now in verses 10 through 15, we have testifying. Verse 10, and I signed the deed, I sealed it, I took witnesses, I weighed the money on the scales so that I took the purchase deed, both that which was sealed according to the law and custom and that which was open. <clears throat> and I gave the purchase deed to Baruch, the son of Neriah, the son of uh, Masaiah, uh, in the presence of Hanamel, my uncle's son, and in the presence of the witnesses who signed the purchase deed before all the Jews who sat in the court of the prison. Then I charged Baruch before them, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Take these deeds, both this purchase deed which is sealed and the deed which is open, put them in an earthen vessel that they may last many days. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, houses and fields and vineyards shall be possessed again in this land. No detail of this strange purchase went unnoticed because Jeremiah wanted everyone to see that he actually believed in what God was saying. He wasn't half-hearting this. He wasn't just getting this done as fast as he could since the Lord asked him to do it. The things that Jeremiah had been preaching about weren't just hypotheticals to him. They, they were to be carried out in his own life. There was this great group of witnesses all around him who saw this very strange situation being played out as Jeremiah actually met his faith with action even while imprisoned by the king of Judah. Now, if you read the, the following 10 verses up through verse 25, we find that Jeremiah wasn't just this perfect, you know, prophet that, you know, this clairvoyant that understood everything. You know, he wasn't this perfect person with no doubts whatsoever. In fact, in the next 10 verses, Jeremiah records, you know, something from his prayer journal. He opens up his prayer journal and he, and he shares about how he privately then went to the Lord. After all this went down, he went to the Lord and he, he says, man, Lord, am I really doing what I'm supposed to be doing? I, I mean, this doesn't make any sense to me. And he asks the Lord, he's like, you know, you want me to buy this, but you said this is going to happen. Have I got it wrong or am I doing the right thing? But when push came to shove, when God actually asked him to do something, he actually lived the way he said he believed. And all the people around him saw this testimony of a life governed by the Lord and supplied by the Lord. They saw the testimony of a believer who preferred the plans of God and the things of heaven to the things of earth. They saw the testimony of a man who was willing to represent God no matter what the personal cost was going to be. He was a man who wasn't going to compromise and give up simply because things got uncomfortable for him. Uh, he, his actions were an incredible witness to the power of God and the faithfulness of God and the relationship that a person can have with God. And, and everyone saw that. It was all out in the open, and it was a remarkable thing. The situation that Jeremiah found himself in and the situation that we find ourselves in today really are remarkably similar when we start looking at it. God has come and told us that there is a judgment coming on the people of earth. He's called on us as his people to preach that message and encourage people to repent and receive salvation. Now, while that message is not always received with open arms, it's not always easy to deliver. God has promised to be faithful and to be with us and to provide the words that we need to speak. Along the way, we're called upon to actually put our faith into action, not just saying things, but doing things as well, going beyond talking and into doing and toward that end, we are called to redeem the time right now, today, and make decisions based upon the future kingdom of God, investing in eternity and choosing godliness over earthliness. And as we're faithful to actually live out our lives for Jesus and to trust him and to find our worth in him, 
then the people around us will see that a life in Christ is actually different than a life without him. It is full of confidence and hope and contentment. And that's what we see in Jeremiah. That's what the Lord wants for us this morning. And so preaching, redeeming, testifying. Those are the three things that we can focus on today and three ways that the Lord can be glorified through our lives right now.